Welcome to Frame of Reference, informed, intelligent conversations about the issues and challenges facing everyone in today's world. In-depth interviews with Sauk County's leaders and professionals to help you expand and inform your Frame of Reference. Brought to you by the Max FM Digital Network. Now here's your host, Raul Labresh. Well, welcome to another edition of Frame of Reference, Sauk County's only, that's right, only uh, podcast that covers uh, all kinds of topics from environmental topics to business topics to social com- topics with uh, leaders in the Sauk County area, which uh, the, the people we talk with, I try to have folks that really know what they're talking about, uh, but are more importantly, that are passionate about what we talk about so that we can hopefully inform our listeners with uh, the, the things that brought them to their positions. Um, and uh, hopefully that helps people out there to find their own passions. Um, and maybe your passions will uh, coincide with today's guests. Um, so I'm sitting across the table from Jennifer Lazendorf, a good German name for our area, right? Lots of Germans. Um, and uh, Jennifer is the co-chair of the Bald Eagle, or the Fairy Bluff Bald Eagle Watching Days Committee, uh, which is a, a, a good organization of the community. Those of you that don't know the Sauk Prairie area, uh, we were one of the first uh, areas to really promote um, the preservation and the caretaking of uh, bald eagles because we have sort of a natural roosting place and a natural viewing place for them. Um, and that Eagle Watching Days event that happens every year here in the Sauk Prairie area is a tremendously successful event and a tremendously popular event with many, many people. So Jennifer graciously uh, um, uh, agreed to come in and talk about that a bit. But thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for coming down and talking with us. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you're, you're a professional that works in our area, and for you to take time out of your busy schedule to come talk with us is wonderful. Wonderful. So thank you. So... Jennifer, talk to us. Tell us about yourself. What, uh, what, uh, what, what you, you now you work at Compere Financial full time, right? Yep. Uh, and uh, what's your position there? Um, I am a, a team leader of loan accounting at okay. Compere Financial. I've been there about six years, okay. and uh, it's been a, a great experience working there and working in the, the area. I, I chose to uh, work there because I wanted to work with. Uh, local farmers in the local area, and it's been a, a very rewarding experience to, to work there. Do you have a farming background yourself then? Uh, I do not. You don't? I do not. Okay. I, in my uh, previous uh, positions, I had worked with some local vendors. I was in a retail environment, and I worked with some local vendors and local farmers okay. getting their products on the shelves and found a great deal of meaning in that. And okay. I ended up, as an adult, going back to school and getting my accounting degree to pursue that line of uh, occupation and actually uh, washed up at Compere because I shouldn't say washed up, but ended up at Compere <laughs> through a, a vendor that I had worked with who um, had a, a very positive experience okay. uh, with his loans at Compere. So, okay. um, and it's been great. I really, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the people and uh, I think we're doing really important work there. Yeah, it, it is really rewarding, isn't it, to be a part of something that is making a big difference in people's lives. Um, you know, I've, I've talked with friends of mine that one of the frustrations they have with their career is they just don't feel like they're making a difference in anything. Um, so I'm, I'm happy for you that you found that that's uh that's one of the things that drove me, honestly, to do this podcast, too. I was looking for other ways to to have that kind of impact in people's lives where, the, if nothing else, you cause them to kind of think about, well, I need help. Where can I go for help, right? Um, so uh, would you would you say that uh, there were things in that career that made you perhaps um, you gravitate towards eagle watching days or, you know, the preservation of eagles? In fact, maybe that's what we should start with is talk about that. Can you tell us anything um, more about your your movement towards working with the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council? Oh, huh? sure. How did that happen? Um, I, you know, I would say that actually predates my <laughs> my career as an accountant. I mentioned okay. that I, I uh, sort of went back as an adult and studied accounting, and, okay. and that was through, you know, other jobs that I had, I, you know, discovering a real facility with numbers and um an enjoyment of doing that that kind of work and and being of value uh, within that that okay. type of work. Um, but my love of the outdoors and nature and birds 
uh, predates that by many, many years since okay. I was since I was a kid. I always loved the outdoors, and uh, bird watching is something I got into fairly fairly young, and you know didn't didn't pursue that as a career in any way. Didn't didn't study biology, but have just always had a connection to the outdoors and uh, hiking and canoeing and thing, things like that, and, okay. and specifically bird watching. I do a lot of bird watching. So do you have so, a favorite bird? I, I do not. I always like to say my, my favorite bird is the one I haven't seen yet. So, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever I'm looking for, you know, if I, if I, if I go out to, to see something specific and, and get to see that, that's a sure, huge sure. Uh, joy. But it's, it's uh, kind of my, my happy place just to get out and um, – take myself away from the, the cares of the world and, mm-hmm. and really focus on mm-hmm. the outdoors. And it's, you know, I think birding is a, it's a lifelong learning yeah. hobby. Yeah. So as, as, as much time as I am able to put into it and spend on it, I know I will never be a, a, a full expert, you know, as, sure. as much expertise as I might learn and gain, right. there's always more to learn. There's right. always that next, um, type of, of thing, whether it's, you know, habitat or uh, vocalizations or, you know, sure. there's just biology. There's there's so much to learn. Yeah. That's a fascinating thing mm-hmm. in and of itself, isn't it? How birds are able to vocalize uh, so differently from one mm-hmm. another. Yeah. Um, you know, everything to the, the parakeets and the, uh, you know, larger birds that are able to imitate human speech and learn quite a few words. You mm-hmm. know, you just... You, uh, I find that fascinating that there can be so much difference there. So I, I would think that alone is something to spend a lifetime. In fact, that's the only thing I was thinking of is, isn't this area um, somewhat unique in that the size of it uh, relative to the proportionate of like really, really top-notch ornithologists? I mean, mm-hmm. that we, uh, if I remember right, there were at least one or two people that had some international recognition mm-hmm. uh, or at least national recognition in terms of their skill level and expertise. Isn't has that been your experience? Uh, my my experience is that Wisconsin has a wonderful <laughs> group of of uh, you know ornithologists, biologists, um, and just just birders in in general, and and it it does seem very heavily weighted <laughs> with experts and okay. um, and people you know who are are recognized in in their fields. Okay. Um, I you know I have I've lived in Wisconsin about twenty years. Um, and I, I, I have had wonderful experiences in, in all of the different uh, organizations that I've birded with and people that I've met. And um, there are just a, a number of different citizen science opportunities, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful organizations in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem to be. It does seem to be a wonderful place for for birding. It does seem too that um, the birders that I've met, at least yourself included, um, tend to be so um, passionate and desire to share what they know. Um, to you know, it's it's pretty easy to get a birder to a point where they're very passionate. You know, they mm-hmm. just kind of get worked up quickly. And I, I I've always wondered, you know, what is it about that realm that inspires people so much um, do you have you thought about that i mean what is it that yeah I mean, you love bird watching obviously mm-hmm. you have as a little kid were there people in your life early on that had that same kind of passion and kind of transfused you with it if you will or uh not you know not not individuals i mean i i grew up um you know before the internet okay. and before yeah. social media Me and yeah. and the ease of reaching out and connecting with other people that had those you know shared your interests but um certainly i i read books um you know Roger Tory Peterson and Ken Kaufman um there's just there are wonderful resources and books out there that that kind of sparked that uh interest in me okay um i i do find that uh Birders, and you know, again, most of my experience, recent experience, has been in Wisconsin. But birders do tend to be very generous, and I do. I think it it comes out of that enthusiasm, and uh, when when you have that passion and enthusiasm, you want to share it with other people. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, it's it's not you know people talk about competitive birding and listing and uh, you know getting the biggest list and things like that sure. and, and <laughs> while that can certainly lead to you know some some negative uh, n- negative emotions and not everyone is right, is, right. is as generous but I, I think do that, I know? think that um, 
even within the, those types of competitions, people want to help you. They want to, they want you to see the, the bird that they're seeing. And, sure. um, and my experience has been overwhelmingly positive with the community okay. um, and, and the, the different types of people that get into it and the reasons they get into it. And um, there's really a, a huge variety of, you know, there's people that just, uh, the, the pandemic really, um, brought out a lot of new birders because people were trapped inside and, sure. and <laughs> nothing sure. to do but look outside their window. Sure. So I think that that expanded our community. So you, you, you have a lot of new birders who are just learning and then, um, so many expert birders and, and, sure. and people really are just very, very generous and wanting to share of this, of this passion. Sure. Sure. Do you, um, you know, as you are well aware, I try to mm-hmm. talk about some favorite things in the opening parts of our, oh, sure. our podcast. Do you have a, a favorite place that you like to go to or a favorite place that you think for uh, for your own kinds of viewing that, that has worked really well for you? And you tend to, I, I think of it like favorite places we like to retreat to or, you sure. know, kind of thing. Is there any? Uh, you know, I mentioned any anytime I'm I'm outside hiking, there's, it's kind of kind of my happy place. I can remove myself from the cares of the world, but right. I, I think, you know, Devil's Lake is, is a wonderful place to go and get up on those bluffs and, um, you can see turkey vultures and eagles and, uh, and waterfowl there. Um, uh, Governor Dodge is another fantastic place to, just to hike and, um, a lot of different, uh, you know, areas there's woods and, and water and sure. it's a wonderful place. Um, well, Excuse and all me, the yeah. birds that you're looking or may be looking for have different kinds of habitats sure. too. Like. Yeah, yeah. The, the different habitats. I certainly go to different places for different habitats. I sure. try and get out to, uh, you know, Lake Michigan a couple times a year to, to sure. see what's out there. Um, you get a, we get a lot of uh, wonderful birds that migrate through that you know quite often you only see typically. Um, on either coast, but there's always, always a few that kind of snake through the middle of the country mm. and during migration and, and hit our great lakes. Cause we're so privileged to have, I think Wisconsin, we have, we've got two great lakes and the Mississippi river. So right. I think we're just, we're spoiled for wonderful right. habitats and, and flyways. Right. So well, on the Wisconsin river, right close to home here is, oh, is yeah. a great habitat, particularly for eagles. Which yep. <laughs> we'll yeah. I, you know, I live, I live, uh, right, right down the river. I live in spring green. So, okay. um, and that that part of the reason that I relocated to Spring Green about uh, 15 years ago, okay, um, or the you know Lower Wisconsin Riverway area, okay, um, was was for the river because I enjoy kayaking and canoeing on the okay. river. And um, boy, you really are an outdoors that. person, aren't you? Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I just uh, so are there. Um, do you find that you, you mentioned that your uh, being outside is just a good happy place, if you will? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a, a favorite experience, or you know, I think of it even into our childhoods that there's like this kind of favorite thing that happened, or you know, an anecdote, or a you know, a remembrance that whenever you come back to it, it's just sort of a oh yeah, that was so great. Um, do you have? Were there any experiences within bird watching that that you kind of look to to? We're kind of defining moments, or you know that kind sure. of thing. Um, I not not necessarily bird watching specifically, but okay. you know when I was a kid, my family did a lot of camping. We had an old pop up camper, and okay. you know we kind of I, I grew up in uh, central New York around the Syracuse area. Really? So, okay. Um, you know, my mom kind of uh, dragged us all over the Eastern Seaboard and, and okay. camped a, a great deal, and so we spent. Um, you know, the spring breaks and summers in like Cape Cod and, sure. uh, you know, kind of exploring the ocean and, and poking at the <laughs> jellyfish and sure. different, different, you know, the hermit crabs and different things that you see along the, uh, along the ocean. And then also I would say we, I do have a very specific memory of camping, um, and visiting the Chincoteague and Assateague islands, um, off Virginia. Okay. Uh, and they have, they have wild ponies that live on those islands, and I think a couple times a year the, you know, the park service uh, or, or or someone in charge there uh, will actually herd them up, and they swim them from one island to another um, for I think vet vet services and, and okay. things like that. But okay. it's it's a big um, 
it's a big kind of attraction in in that area. So the uh, the wild ponies of of Shinkatig and Assateague Island made a huge impression on me as a little kid. I thought that was just just fascinating that um, that you have these kind of amazing wild creatures living in this really interesting area that you wouldn't necessarily expect right. to, to see them. Right, and, and and being able to be preserved in sounds like a natural habitat for yeah. them. Right. Um, so do we move them, you think, to like increase their food sources or give uh, the f- food sources that they are eating a chance to kind of regenerate? Or? I think they I think they manage them to keep their, uh, you know, population at a certain level so okay. that they're sustainable. And okay. um, I, I haven't I haven't looked into it in a okay. long time, but okay. uh, but I do remember that that being just such a an amazing experience as, sure. a, you know, a 10 or 12 year old. Yeah. Yeah. And that, well, and I know um, I just a little experience I have with um, friends of mine that had horses, and having a, a sister who was just a horse fanatic, and yet we lived in Milwaukee, so she never really had a chance to be around horses much. But there is a uh, there's something so majestic about horses, ponies. They're uh, you know you talk with people that get kind of entranced with them almost, and uh, you know it's I kind of put it up there with dogs in terms mm-hmm. of relationships that people have. Although it's a very different one from horses, from what I understand. So, um, anyways, folks, we were talking with uh, Jennifer. Lazen, Lanzendorf. I, mean, I had to look quickly at it because I wasn't going to remember it. You but got it. Jennifer <laughs> Lanzendorf, uh, who is the co-chair of the Fairy Bluff Eagle, Bald Eagle Watching Days Committee. So yeah. that's a long title to remember. Yeah. So, but we can talk a little bit about Fairy Bluff Eagle Council, and uh, uh, we have another guest who may be joining us, Jeb Barton, who's uh, actually uh, kind of an off. Uh, he's an officer of Fairy Bluff Eagle Council. Yep, he's the president of the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council. Okay. So we're hoping Jeb will be able to join us, and uh, Jeb. Oh, uh, Jeb, sorry. Uh, boy, I'm just, you know, today, I, maybe I need more coffee or something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll be right back here after we hear a word from our sponsors uh, to talk more about eagle watching days and eagles in general. And uh, hope you stay with us on Frame of Reference. When the north winds blow, you need to be able to fight back. Whether it's with warm clothing and accessories from Carhartt and Muck Boots, heaters for your milk house or den, every kind of salt and ice melt, you might need to fight the nastiest storms, as well as snow tires and batteries for when Mother Nature plays hardball. The winter warriors at McFarland's will get you back in front of that cozy fire in no time flat. McFarland's, one block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street, where service is a family tradition. Well, we're back here at Frame of Reference on WRPQ 99.7 Max FM's digital network. Um, my guest today is Jennifer Lazendorf, who is uh, one of the co-chairs of a uh, organization in the area here, the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council. Um, but they also have a number of different committees, and uh, Jennifer is the co-chair of the Eagle Watching Bald Eagle Watching Days Committee, um, which is a special event that happens here every year, right? Jennifer, tell us about the, this year in 2022. Uh, when's the event happening, and uh, you know how how would people get to it if they wanted to come on down for it? Well, sure. Uh, this year actually is the 35th anniversary 35th. of the uh, Sock Prairie Bald Eagle Watching Days. Okay. Um, so we're pretty pretty excited. It's, you know, as you, as you said, long-standing event. I um, just celebrated my very... 35th wedding anniversary, <laughs> so I can tell you that's an exciting one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are excited to welcome people back to the Sock Prairie area okay. to view bald eagles okay last year we did because of the pandemic we did go fully virtual and had a number of presentations we actually spread it out over several weekends and we kind of live stream some some presentations uh from the river arts center and that was a a great experience and we actually had viewers from all over the world and uh, uh many many states across the country and canada um and that was that was a really great experience, and we kind of learned from that. And this year, we we are excited to welcome people back to the area, and we will be offering uh, live yeah, eagle viewing from the overlook here in on Water Street in, in Prairie de Sac. Uh, the dates are Saturday and Sunday, January fifteenth and sixteenth, twenty twenty two. In addition to that eagle viewing that. Uh, we encourage people to come out and, and see our eagles. We will also be having some 
uh, presentations that people can attend. That's at the River Arts Center, okay. which is uh, off of the high school in, in Sockbury. And uh, the three main presentations that we're offering are uh, we will have be having the Schlitz Audubon. They're out of um, Milwaukee area. Okay. Okay. And they're going to be coming in and offering a live raptor program. So they will have a bald eagle and some other raptors that they'll bring in. And that's an ongoing thing, right? That live, live raptor program has been mm-hmm. part of the event for a number of years, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So. We, we bring them back every year um, because they do a fantastic job. Right. And they're wonderful at, um, they have a wonderful educational mission and mm-hmm. uh, introducing us to the, the birds. And uh, we'll have a, a, a question and answer session so okay. people can ask questions of them. Sure. Um, so we're really excited to have them back on the stage. There's, they're actually going to be doing pre- two presentations. They're going to um, both start and end our presentations on Saturday the 15th. Okay. Uh, the first one's at 10 a.m., and then the second one will be at 3 p.m. I remember this would be 30-ish years ago uh, when we, we first moved to the community in, in uh, 1990. And when our daughter got to, I want to say she was probably eight or nine, uh, we brought her and my son, who at that point was like three, um, down to one of the Raptor programs. And the kids that come to that, it's just so wonderful to see their response to it because eagles are so huge in you know comparison. And you, know, you, you can't get a, a perspective of that when you, if you haven't seen them up close, and then some of the other birds, I think there were some hawks that mm-hmm. were were part of their presentation, and uh, just really gives you a deep appreciation for how special these birds are. Um, and uh, it, it, kudos to you guys for figuring out how how meaningful that can be, and then for bringing in the Schlitz Audubon uh, Center because that is a um, they, they are one of the foremost uh, experts or organizations in the country, really, for that that kind of thing. So, yeah, they they really they they do a wonderful job, and they have a number of uh, different birds that they have rehabilitated or acquired from different different areas. I think in in many cases these are birds that uh, sustained an injury and. Sure cannot be released back out into the wild. So they use them for educational purposes and they, they have a number of different raptors so they can bring them in and they use them to explain the differences between eagles and hawks and falcons and, um, will show, you know, show you things like their wingspans and they really, they really are amazing to see them up close. You don't necessarily appreciate how big an eagle is Mm -hmm. or how big a hawk is. Mm -hmm. Um, until you see them sitting on <laughs> sitting on someone's arm right, or, or right. see them see them fly a little bit, uh, um, it's yeah, it's a it's a it's an amazing experience. Well, aren't there like specialized features that some of them have that differentiate them from other? Uh, like I think of like the wings and how mm-hmm. some of the falcons are really have you know been designed, if you nope. will, to you know really fly at at you know tremendous speeds sure. in many cases. Yeah, there's there's adaptations f- it, with each of the different uh, types of birds for their habitat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some some hawks will have uh, like the occipiters will have a long tail, which helps them fly through woods. So they, it helps them steer around okay. trees. Okay. Um, as opposed to something like a red tail hawk, which is a budio, which is more built for soaring. Okay. Um, so they they really have different different features, and um, and Schlitz does a great job of, of sure. helping to point those out. And as you said, like the falcons are kind of built for speed, mm-hmm. um, and so they have uh, wings that are shaped for that. Are some of them better at like riding on the thermals? I mean, I remember mm-hmm. reading uh, he- reading and hearing about that. And not really understanding how the birds are able to really efficiently and economically fly without wasting a lot of energy by just that ability to ride the thermal currents up and down from from the earth is that uh, is that a specialized feature as well, or are most of them? It's, I, I think a lot of different hawks and 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 other birds as well will will utilize those thermals. It really, okay. as you said, it's a really efficient way to. Um, to fly, especially during like migration. Mm-hmm. Um, They'll catch a, a thermal any any place that there's uh, exposed land that the um, sun hits it and heats it heats it up and will create right. those sort of updrafts and uh, birds can they'll fly in and catch those and just sort of ride those thermal circle 
circle uh, up into the way up into the air, and that'll sure. get them a lot of height so that they can you know fly off and, and cover a lot of miles. And you know there there are places. Um, I'm thinking of like Hawk Ridge in Duluth, Minnesota, which is a, a wonderful place to visit. Um, they have uh, uh, that's a wonderful wonderful place to go and see hawk migration because sure. it's right at the edge of Lake Superior. So, um, you know, the hawks hawks specifically, you know, a lot of raptors don't necessarily want to fly across the Great Lakes. Right. Um, right. That's a so lot they, of energy. So they'll, they'll hit the lake and they kind of go around the edge. And like okay. that's an area where um, it's right at the tip um, and there's kind of those explos- exposed uh, uh, bluffs and, and and rocks that will will heat up and they can catch those updrafts. Sure. And you will see sometimes hundreds of hawks. Um, they're, you know, Point Pele and uh, – is it uh, – Michigan, I believe. Okay. Um, there, there's different different places. There's, uh, you know, Hawk Mountain in in, in uh, New Jersey. Okay. Um, okay. Different different hawk watching areas sure. where you see this, where you see hundreds and hundreds of hawks that will kind of they call it a kettle. Right. They all gather together and and ride the thermals up and uh, during migration, it's a spectacular well, that, sight. Isn't that a fascinating thing too? The whole idea of migration and, you know, how do birds find their way, you know, uh, always makes me think about, okay, so what is it? One of the theories they have some sort of, um, adaptation in their skulls that it has a magnetic, uh, capability within mm-hmm. it that allows them to sort of detect where they are in reference to the North pole. And I'm like, wow, that would be kind of cool if that it proves to be true that their brain actually, it's just another sense, essentially, mm-hmm. of, you know, I, maybe that's why some people can always tell which way they're going. Yeah. <laughs> and other people like me are lost constantly, right? So. I think, you know, that's something that's that's not known completely. I think that's yeah. one, of, one of those areas of science where they're, they're continuing to learn how birds do navigate, you know, so. Yeah. Perhaps navigate by the stars, but yeah, you know, I've heard that as well that the, the uh, magnetic uh, flux of the Earth's yeah, magnetic sphere. They kind of have that built in because right. otherwise, you know, when it's stormy or cloudy, how the, how do they know? Right. right. Um, but it's it's uh, it's amazing to think about, isn't it? How, yeah. how they get yeah. from place to place. So, how did you come to uh, appreciate eagles in particular? Was that uh, just because you became aware of the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council and thought I want to be a part of that, or was there, um, you know, any kind of a where you knew, yeah, I really need to do that. That sounds really cool. Um, uh, you know, I having having been a bird watcher for many years, I th- I I found uh, you know, and and just enjoying the outdoor. I wanted I wanted to. Uh, be be a little more involved and okay. to give back to my community and and give back to participate in some of these citizen science uh, opportunities. Okay. Um. So I, I started searching around and and became involved in some different um, organizations. There's a uh, River Valley Birders, which is sort of a, a is fairly informal bird club around okay. the uh, Spring Green area. Um. The more the more I bird watch and the more I get out there, the more people I meet and, and find out about opportunities. So, okay. uh, you know, Wisconsin Society of Ornithology has, a, you know, was a wonderful organization. They offer a lot of field trips. I've let, met a lot of them, a lot of people through that. Okay. Um, I don't, I, one, one of my neighbors actually for the, that I, uh, work with at, at the, uh, or that I, I bird with in the River Valley Birders, um, asked me to help her with some, Eagle roost counts. So okay. in the wintertime, uh, bald eagles roost communally. So you will get um, dozens, sometimes hundreds of, of bald eagles that will all gather together at night in certain areas, certain trees. Okay. Um, and the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council actually sponsors those roost counts. Okay. So my friend of mine who was, she was coordinating the, uh, Lone Rock Roost at that time um, invited me to come out and and help her count. Okay. They count every two weeks between December and February, and uh, that was really enjoyable. That <laughs> uh, um, you get to watch. You know, you go out uh, just a couple hours before dusk and you watch, um, like I said, dozens or hundreds of birds fly into this, you know, into this 
single area. Right. Um, and they perch up in the trees, and you can hear them chittering and talking back and forth. And it's really eagles it's chitter. Pretty, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, it's it's funny when you when you see uh, something on TV or uh, you know an eagle shows an eagle on on TV or in a movie, and he, here's this majestic. Uh, yeah, yep, yeah. that is not an eagle. <laughs> that is uh, that is almost always uh, the call of a red-tailed hawk. Oh, they, really? Okay. It it just uh, sounds more majestic, I think. E- yeah. Eagles themselves actually have kind of a high pitched, um, a high pitched. Uh, is it like a warble? Call? It's a. Uh, um, it's just it's just higher pitched and okay. not okay. as not as majestic, I guess. For uh, didn't fit for, for, didn't fit the image they were yeah, going for. Yeah, for uh, you know for for TV. Yeah, but uh, but, but they do yeah. they chitter back and forth and um, talk yeah. to each other and that's it's fun to to get to hear them. Sure. So um, through that, I uh, when my friend sort of uh, retired from doing the count, I took over the coordination okay. of the Lone Rock roost okay so i've been doing that for a few years now coordinating coordinating those counts okay um and the fairy bluff eagle council as i said sponsors those they have about there's about 15 roosts that they uh monitor every every year okay um through different volunteers and then jeb Arzen, who we spoke about is one of the people who pulls all that information together um okay. and it goes into a, a database. They've been doing it for many years to track eagle populations um, along the lower Wisconsin Riverway. Okay. And so that is how I kind of got involved with the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council. Okay. A few years ago, Jeb called me up and asked if I'd like to serve on the board. Okay. And uh, I did. I joined the board and uh, at that time also took over um, or became co-chair okay. of the Bald Eagle Watching Days. Okay. Uh, my co-chair is a man named John Keefe. He's been doing this. Oh, for, I know John. Yeah. He's been doing yeah. this for quite a while, yeah. and he is. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it without him. I at yeah. some point, I'm probably going to have to do it without him. Yeah. I don't know how long yeah. he's going to be the co-chair, but well, he's he retired, a, so he's got much more time. He, he does a wonderful job. Yeah. He. Um, um, he is he is instrumental at uh, securing mm-hmm. our sponsorships mm-hmm. and um, yes he he knows a lot of people in the yep. area and he's yep. a he's a wonderful man yeah. um, and then we have several other people on the committee who also um, do things like manage our our Facebook page and sure. help with our advertising sure. we've got Stephanie at the Sauk Prairie Chamber of Commerce who. Uh, Helps with a lot of our, our advertising yeah. and promotion yeah. Um, yeah. and our graphic designs, does right. our, our brochures. Right. Um, so it's really it's really a a group effort, and uh, I certainly couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I feel like I do very very little. I sort of coordinate all these people who yeah. do all this wonderful stuff to make yeah. this this event happen. Make but, sure the right hand knows um, what the left hand is doing. That's an important. Yeah, we're we're so. very excited to. Uh, I want to get back to the yeah, schedule. So we I was talked about say, you, Schlitz you a little bit. Right, right. Um, we're also uh, having. Uh, at the River Arts Center, our, our presentations are all just on that Saturday, the fifteenth. Okay. Um, we're gonna have eagle viewing from the Overlook. We'll have volunteers okay. um, on Saturday and Sunday, but okay. the presentations are only on Saturday. So, okay. aside from Schlitz, we're also happy to welcome back uh, David Stokes. Okay. Uh, he is another uh, wonderful presenter who we have back many, many times. Uh, we have back every year. He does a fantastic program. Um, it's, it's a, it's a different program every year, but he does live animal program and he, this year it's called laughing with the animals. Hmm. Um, he's a, he's a wonderful, especially for children and young children. He's very, um, very interactive and really engaging presenter that we're very happy to have back. And he's going to be uh, doing his presentation at 1130 AM on Saturday at the river arts center. Okay. And and your first one was 10 o'clock, right? The first first one is, is yeah. 10 o'clock. Okay. Um, is uh, Schlitz Audubon will be doing their live bird of prey show. And that will be, Followed by a question and answer. Okay. All our all of our presentations will have uh, time for questions from the audience. Okay. Um, that Good. will be from ten to eleven fifteen, okay. and then at eleven thirty is is David Stokes laughing with the animals. Okay. Um, that's a really fun presentation. 
Um, that that's eleven thirty to twelve thirty, and again, there's gonna be time for for questions. And he's he's great. He gets down into the audience and you know shows the he has lots of frogs and snakes and um, oh, all cool. kinds of all kinds of cool cool animals sure. to uh, to to show people and the kids. Um, and he'll he'll be taking questions as well. And kids always have great questions about yeah. things like that too, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah, and it's, yeah uh, that that's great. And then yeah. we'll, we're gonna have a little bit of a, a lunch break from yeah. from twelve thirty. Um, to one thirty, and then okay. at at one thirty, we're actually going to be having um, Marge Gibson from the Raptor Education Group. Okay. Um, in in previous years, we've had a um, we've released a rehabilitated bald mm-hmm. eagle, um, at the VFW Park this year, uh, because of COVID and and different um, you know different different factors. We're actually going to um film the eagle release and okay. so we're going to show that film of the eagle really marge releasing the eagle back o- over t- the uh wisconsin river okay. um and be able to t- kind of tell the story of the rehabilitated eagle and what happens with that and um we did a similar thing last year during our mm-hmm. virtual program we had marge um we filmed the eagle release instead of uh, had it, ha- having it in person. Sure. Um, but we'll be showing that film at the River Arts Center at um, at one thirty on Saturday. Well, and then she the, will be joining us for to, a, a Q&A. Okay. Um, she will actually be joining us virtually from okay. from her location for a Q&A. But, again, we can take uh, take questions from, from the audience. Sure. Um, well, I would think that that in some ways would be more – advantageous than previously doing it live because I remember those presentations, it was just more difficult to ask questions. Honestly, it was more difficult to hear too, because you're in an open environment, right? It's an open environment and, and there were, and such large crowds. So it became a challenge to, to navigate those, those big crowds and and have people shout out. So, so this actually, I think was, is probably more conducive to having people ask those questions of Marge and, and she's another just great, great ambassador for bald eagles and um i'm sure she'll talk about uh lead poisoning Um, many many of the eagles that she rehabilitates um have fallen victim to to lead poisoning right um so she can speak very authoritatively on that issue now there was a uh i think it was um I forget, Gene Unger had mm-hmm. talked about a program that Ferry Bluff Eagle Council had been really yeah. instrumental in, too, where there were coupons or something available to make it uh, more affordable for uh, hunters to utilize, is it brass pellets instead of lead pellet? Uh, uh, yes. Shot? Um, in that, that was much better for the eagles in general. So uh, I know that's part of the education process, too, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so Gene, Gene I, I believe, is the former president of the board of the very mm-hmm. bluff eagle council and jeb barson took over for him okay. um and again if jeb was here he could talk he could talk more <laughs> with more knowledge we'll about jeb this program but we do so, um yeah. yep that is that is one of the other um uh programs that the very bluff eagle council does is to offer a ten dollar coupon okay. for a discount on that non-lead ammunition right. um and that's available through different uh uh, places where you purchase ammunition. Okay. And I would have to um, I thought Ace find out was more one about of them. that. I believe yeah. it I believe yeah. it's Ace Hardware, in t- yeah, in that, town here. Um, so. that offers that coupon sure. for uh for the non lead sure. ammunition and um and that is something that Ferry Bluff Eagle Council sponsors is to offset that cost to encourage people to to use non lead ammunition right. because it, it really um has such a negative impact on. Well, it was one of the um, reasons why the eagle population had diminished so greatly was because of the number of them were coming down with lead poisoning, wasn't it? At one point, that it's, was one of the battles. You know, it, it it's something that continues to be an issue because you know eagles will eat um, carrion. They eat uh, deer. Right. <laughs> so right. so uh, when a, a deer gets shot with lead ammunition, and you know people people don't realize that it actually it, it does spread. Um, it's not just that bullet hole. It does actually spread. Right. And, uh, um, you know, eagles eat that and, and right. get sick. I, right. I believe that the main um, the main thing that really brought eagles to the brink of extinction was DDT, okay. you know, w- way back. Okay. Um, so but that, that. And that impacted their 
uh, the shells. Okay. Oh, yeah, the the, the uh, eagle uh, eggshells. Yeah, the, the eagles yeah. And, and many, many other birds yeah. and species. Yeah. Um, they were so thin and fragile that the eagles just... Yeah, the, the, yeah. They, they, their nests would fail. And yeah. They uh, weren't able to have offspring. Okay. Um, but, you know, fortunately that is a... Um, that issue was resolved yeah. was well yeah it was was resolved and identified right. um so and and eagles have made a fantastic comeback yeah. it was just an amazing amazing comeback and um over the past 30 years and things like the roost count and other uh counts have really you know in the and nest counts okay. um eagles eagles have had just a, an amazing Turnaround. I, I would encourage so, anyone to go out to the Fairy Bluff uh, Eagle Council website. There's okay. there's much more information. Um, Is there still a live view of an existing eagle nest? I thought there was one of those two at one point. Do you know offhand if that's still something that's offered through the website? I I don't think that's something that's offered through Fairy Bluffs okay. website. Okay. Um which I'll say is, is fairybluffeaglecouncil.org. Okay. That's fairy yep. Thank F- you for that. F E R R Y, okay. not uh, you know, it's fairy like the boat, not right. fairy like the, you the know. Yeah, the uh, mythical mythological yeah, like Tinkerbell. right. Um so yeah, fairybluffeaglecouncil.org that does have our um eagle day schedule and okay. much more information. Okay. Um I I don't believe there's a a webcam. Is that what you're thinking of? Okay. Offered through yeah. Fairy Bluff, but yeah. there there are a number of different uh, webcams available for okay. eagles and many other types of of birds, you okay. know, kestrels and osprey. Okay. Um, and I think a, a a Google search would probably get you one real probably quickly. bring you to different yeah. Uh, yeah different. So you so you have the release then mm-hmm. that's happening and that's partly video, yep. partly live. And then after that, after that, we're going to have our, our second uh, bird of prey show with the okay. Schlitz Audubon, and okay. that's that's at three p.m. That'll be our our last uh, show at the River Arts Center. Okay. Um, if you can't make it out to join us here in the Sockberry area, we will be live streaming those. Okay. Um, and again, you can it's it's Fairy Bluff Eagle Council's YouTube channel, but you can get to that YouTube channel from this from the website. Okay. Um, so it's sort of a blended presentation this yeah, year. Yeah, we're doing a, a bit of a hybrid event this uh-huh. year. Um, you know, and then there's there's off, also going to be some some other things going on. Uh, the Trip Museum, okay, right here in in uh, Prairie du Sac, which right. is right across from the Overlook. Uh, they're actually one of the the co sponsors of the event, along with the Fairy Bluff Eagle Council, the Sauk Prairie Area Chamber of Commerce, okay. the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, uh, along with the Trip, are the the co hosts for the uh, Bald Eagle Watching Days. Okay, um, and the Trip will be open, and uh, they will be showing on their big screen. Um, all day, uh, a couple of, of uh, films that we did last year okay. as part of our uh, virtual programming. Uh, one of those is uh, Bald Eagles in Native American Cultures, okay. which is uh, uh, hosted and, and done by uh, Art and Don Shigoni, who yeah. are um, you know m- members of a. Wisconsin Native American tribes that okay. and do a wonderful, uh, wonderful program, and they they have also been part of our uh, programming for many years at, at Bald Eagle Watching Days. The other film that they're going to be showing is uh, Old Abe, which is um, it's Old Abe, a Civil War eagle, okay. <laughs> um, and that is done by the Lacour family, okay. who is. Uh, um, had uh, you know, that's part of their family history is is old Abe. So they uh, filmed their presentation last year, and so we have those films available, and they're going to be showing those at the trip trip museum all day long. I think each of them is about uh, you know half hour to an hour long, and and uh, there's quite a big bird selection there too, isn't there? They do have, I believe, the state's largest uh, you know, bird collection there at the Trip Museum, and they also have just some wonderful uh, historical displays about the, the area. Okay. So so that's the end of the live events, and, but then mm-hmm. there's still viewing available. Are you doing, weren't there bus rides too at one point? Or is that we, in the past, we had done bus rides. Um, we 
uh, yeah, obviously last year we, we didn't have an in-person event at all. Um, this year with the uh, uncertainty around COVID, um, we were not offering the bus tours this year, but um, something that we started last year and that we continue to offer is a, um, there's a self-guided tour that mm-hmm. we offer an app that you can go to the Ferry Bluff Eagle Council website okay. and download this app for your phone. And there are a couple of different tours that you can do um, at any time on your own to kind of uh, go out and explore some of the different areas or some of the different sites in the area sure. um, where you can see bald eagles. Cause because they don't just go away after. They uh, don't, they don't days. just go away. No, it's not just the eagles are not just here this one weekend. We you can go and one solid weekend. That's right. That's right. Um, so. Nope. They're here. Uh, they're here every day. All, you know, um, it's pretty much, isn't it like November-ish through March-ish? Yeah, the, you know, this time of year, you're starting to see them. Okay. Um, you know, and again, Jeb could speak <laughs> with yeah. more knowledge about this, sure. but some of them are local eagles that stay all year. Okay. Um, you know, we have nesting eagles, we have eagles that are here year-round, but then this time of year, we also get migrating eagles who come, come from uh, points farther north where the water's frozen, they don't... Sure. Um, you know, they, they come a little farther south where there's more open water. Right. Um, we're very fortunate to have the Alliant Energy Center Dam right. here in Prairie de Sac, right. which the water is um, stays open, doesn't doesn't freeze around right. the dam. So right. that's that's why eagles congregate. I should point out that the Alliant um, uh, Alliant Energy is our event sponsor. Okay. So they've been wonderful sponsors every year. Um, along with other local, sure, sure, um, organizations that are local organizations and businesses yeah. that really help uh, allow us to put on this this uh, this wonderful event. Sure, uh, we couldn't do it without the support of the local economy. So right. uh, we really encourage everyone to come out and um, and visit all these local businesses and yeah. uh, enjoy the. Sock Prairie area. Well, one of them, uh, just to call out to one I know personally, Mm -hmm. is a Jaybird Cafe, which used to be a uh, Blue Spoon. But that's reopened now just Mm -hmm. recently. They have a wonderful river room that uh, I know we would regularly see people Mm -hmm. early in the day. Uh, go have some coffee and a nice breakfast and watch for eagles. Yeah, they, they they have a really nice space there where you can, it's just overlooking the river. Um, and a, and a number of the businesses right along Water Street, you know, it's called Water Street because right. it, it follows the river, and right. there are a number of businesses and um, that overlook the river. Um, I myself at Compier, we have a, yeah. we're not we're not yeah. open to the public in that way, but um, spoiled. To, I'm spoiled to sure. be able to work in a place that overlooks the river and and overlooks the dam. So, so um, and there are like you said, the dam is a particularly good place because mm-hmm. of it always being open. And there's, nope. um, but we need to warn people too about some of the eagle behavior issues that are uh, of concern as well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, their skittishness, I guess. I was yep, that's uh, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That is, you know, we encourage people to, especially like at the at the dam, mm-hmm. um, you can pull. There's a parking lot there, and you can, you know, Alliant allows people to drive down there and get right up close to the river. There's a boat launch there uh, during the Eagle Days and during winter. Um, encourage people to view the eagles from the safety of their car, um, because eagles really do get get skittish around people, and um, it's it's really tempting when they're perched in trees that are right over your head to get out and really get up and look at them. Um, but they they are a bit skittish and they will uh, get nervous around people and that will cause them to to fly. And and during this year uh, or during during the winter, they're really trying to conserve their energy and they can burn. A, it takes a lot of energy to, to yeah. fly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. to fly across the river, to fly downriver where it's, you know, where they feel safe. Um, and to be doing that over and over again because people keep pulling up and keep getting right. out of their cars uh, can really burn a lot of, of energy. So right. we try to limit the impact uh, that we as humans have on the eagles right. and maintain a safe different distance and um, 
keep them comfortable so that sure. they're not scared and uh, so that we can just enjoy them without impacting them too much. Well, and any fisherman will tell you that uh, catching a fish is a big deal sometimes, some yeah. days, especially <laughs> yeah. in the winter. So, uh, you know, imagine if that was your livelihood and uh, you it was made the difference between whether or not you live and die and whether or not your family lives and dies and eagles are in that situation, which is part of the reason why they end up eating carrion too, right? It's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that supplements when they can't catch a fish for whatever reason. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, eagles are primarily uh, fish eaters. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they, what they hunt and what they uh, prefer, I guess, but uh, they're opportunistic. They will mm-hmm. take advantage of, uh, um, yeah, carrion or, you know, small mammals they will, they will hunt. and Sure. So not unlike human beings, we're a little mm-hmm. opportunistic as yeah. well. So what else? Is there anything else, Jennifer? You know, I, I keep, I, I this is a tough question, I know, but what would you say to someone that, you know, just, eh, you know, egos, eh, is there, <laughs> is there something that, you know, you think is a, a reason why, why we should care, why, why this is important? You know, I think eagles, it's easy it's kind of easy to care about, care about eagles because they're, they're so big and they're so spectacular and, and they're hard to miss. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say cranes are kind of the same way you drive by and you see these cranes and it's, it's amazing. Right. Um, but they're, they're just one element within the greater ecology. And I think that, um, I think it's, I think it's all important. I think if you're protecting eagle habitat, if people get excited about protecting eagles, you're also protecting the river and you're protecting the other organisms that it's all intertwined. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that bears mentioning and uh, being aware of that, you know, eagles can be a kind of a, a gateway into, into learning more about the environment sure. and the importance of protecting the, sure. the environment and our local area. And, you know, we are, we are so lucky to live in this area where eagles are abundant and they're such a wonderful story of, of what we can protect by mm-hmm. making these changes mm-hmm. um, that allow them to come back and, um, if we do, if we can do it with eagles, then maybe we can do it with, with other creatures, right, right. um, and other parts of the natural world that are, that are threatened by, um, you know, things like, you know, deforestation and pollution right. and climate right. change and right. all of these things. I think you have to be, you have to be hopeful. Um, and I think eagles are, are such a great example of what can be done. Right. When people care enough yeah, to do exactly. something, right? So, which is, it's interesting to me that some of the greatest environmentalists and advocates for environmentalism have been astronauts. Mm-hmm. You know, people that go up and see the fragility of our Earth and, you know, realize that very thin layer of atmosphere that, you know, sustains us and the, you know, the perfect distance between us and the sun and, you know, all of the things they're aware of as scientists and, but then also become profoundly aware of seeing the planet in the way that they see it. And I think in some ways, eagles can be a same, similar kind of doorway, right? Mm-hmm. They're just that sort of thing that light bulb goes off and you're like, oh my God, you know, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't change the behavior of politicians beyond my vote, yeah. you know, my <laughs> vote um, and votes of people like me, I guess. But, you know, we can, each of us can make a difference. Just if it were, you know, staying in your car, instead of getting out of your car to get that perfect picture, um, if you prevent an eagle from having to expend energy, you might actually help that eagle stay alive this sure. winter, right? So Switching to non-lead bullets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or, or non-lead uh, sinkers, you yeah. know, with, with uh, you know, if you're a, fish, a fisher person. Sure, sure. Um, any parting words of wisdom or encouragement that you would have to a, a birder like yourself or to uh, someone thinking about coming down or even just watching the, the broadcast of things on Facebook? Nope. I would just uh, encourage, I hope everyone can come out and, and join us. If you can't join us in the Sauk Prairie area, uh, check out our, our virtual, you know, our live stream. Okay. Um, it will be available. If you're not able to watch it during the live stream, we will have that available on the YouTube Afterwards, channel. Okay. Um, we have some of last year's programming still available if you want to go out and see that or see some okay. of the 
Um, you know, previous Eagle releases are there on the uh, Fairy Bluff Eagle Council's YouTube channel. Are those channel. movies that are at um, the trip, are those available as well? Uh, those were part of last year's programming. Okay. So, yeah, if you go out and look at last year's programming, you will be able to see those as well, okay. uh, you know, along with the question and answer sessions that we had. So okay. um, that's all kind of out there. And, I, you know, I would inter- encourage everyone to go out and, uh, you know, explore – uh, not just the website, but just our area and our state. Again, mm-hmm. there's so many wonderful organizations and wonderful natural areas that you can visit in our right. state. I, I hope everyone can come out for Eagle Days. Um, if you can't, go out to your state parks and community parks right. and enjoy the nat- you know nature and the outside. And well, and really wherever just, you live. Yeah, right? and I mean, see the birds. You know, one of the things I love about birding and – uh, is that birds are are everywhere. Every, yeah. you know, whether it's a city or a forest or a desert or the middle of the ocean, you right. know, there are right. there are birds everywhere. I think that once you start to uh, pay attention and notice these things, you know, that's when your whole world sort of opens up to mm-hmm. what what is out there. Sure. Well, I would think regardless of where you are in the country, there's probably a birder organization or oh, an ornithology absolutely. organization yeah. of some sort that you could participate in. And Yeah, uh, you yeah know. there's wonderful... Uh, wonderful Audubon chapters everywhere you go sure. um, that offer field trips. And like I said, the birding community is very generous with their time. We, mm-hmm. you know, we love to to share our knowledge and, and get people excited about birds. And, you know, the, that's how change happens. That's sure. how, that's how we end up saving species. And, sure. Never underestimate the power of a small, passionate group to change the world. In fact, they are the only thing that ever has, right? <laughs> so Margaret right. Mead's wonderful saying. Yeah. So, well, and the other benefit is you join with birds of a feather, <laughs> so, <laughs> which flock together, right? Yeah. So Jennifer, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, my guest has been Jennifer, uh, here I have that wrong. You're Lanzendorf. 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 Goodness gracious, I hid it underneath one of my pieces of equipment here. But Jennifer Lanzendorf is the co chair of the uh, Fairy Bluff Bald Eagle Watching Days Committee. Thank you for sharing so much of your information with us. And uh, best of luck. I hope the, the event is just wonderfully attended, both virtually and in person. So, the River Arts Center, I should mention, is a, a fairly large facility, too. So, depending on the crowd, there is an opportunity to socially distance or, or geographically distance. I, I don't like that term, socially distance from people, but <laughs> geographically distanced from others. So uh, is there a live feed out in the uh, other areas, too, of the reverse? Does Nick put something out on the screen, like in the lobby areas and stuff? Uh, do you know? Uh, not not to my knowledge. Okay. okay. But we will be, uh, we will be, yeah, like I said, live streaming out to the, okay. the YouTube channel. So people could watch it on their phones, even if they wanted they to. Could. And be yeah, close they by. could. Yeah, they could stand in the <laughs> the lobby and watch it on their phones if that works for them. Ah, technology. So, well, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having uh, me. It's been wonderful talking with you and getting to know you. So uh, we'll take another quick break to uh, hear a word from our sponsor and wrap up this edition of Frame of Reference here on 99.7 Max FM's digital network. There's never been a better time to support small businesses and save big with Max FM Big Deals. Discount certificates from the Max FM Big Deals store will save you up to 50% off retail every day of the week. Local restaurants and wineries, healthy living and spa services, gifts for the holidays, and a whole lot more. New deals are added weekly. Check it out now at MaxFMBigDeals.com. That's MaxFMBigDeals.com. Start shopping and start saving. Talking with Jennifer and seeing up close her passion for bald eagles and other natural resources made me want to rush to the internet and learn more about this grand and beautiful bird of prey that soars majestically through the skies of Sauk Prairie. The eagle became the national bird because it was chosen to be on the Great Seal, designed by Charles Thompson, who was a member of one of three teams assigned to the task of developing an emblem for our young nation in the late 18th century. The idea of using an eagle, in fact, was not even wholeheartedly supported by all of our founding fathers. Ben Franklin once wrote, The turkey is a much more respectable bird. But Thompson realized that the eagle is an emblem with a very long history and heraldry. 
Two of the three committees designing the seal included the eagle in some form. Although not specifically mentioned by Thompson, clearly the American eagle on the great seal represents liberty and freedom, themes that were central to all three preliminary designs. Thompson underscored how the imagery symbolizes independence by explaining that the shield is born on the breast of an American eagle without any other supporters to denote that the United States of America ought to rely on their own virtue. So then, to me, that begs the question of just what are those virtues? Are they things like grit, individualism, merit, pride in our country? Or are they the things that brought our ancestors to this country, like hope, inspiration, and opportunity? It strikes me that our individual frame of reference determines how we see ourselves and how we look at eagles. I hope and pray that we can all focus on the virtues that draw us together as a nation in the coming years. A nation or house divided cannot stand, and an eagle with either one or both of its wings torn off cannot fly. Stay well. <laughs>